Hello and welcome to episode 979 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by our Patreon supporters and the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. My name is Ben Lindbergh, writer for The Ringer, joined, as always, by Sam Miller of ESPN. Hello. Hey. So I figured we could do a little MVP talk since we both wrote about it. Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I, I meant to bring this up when we were talking about Eddie Goodell the other day, but you probably know his grandnephew, his his great-nephew, his grandnephew, I'm not sure which, which it is, Yeah, uh, was uh, drafted last year uh, in 2015 mm-hmm. by the San Diego Padres and is like a, you know, is a genuine <laughs> baseball star, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm... Where was he drafted? What round, I mean? Sixth round. Uh-huh. He had previously been drafted at a high school by the Rays, much lower, and didn't sign. And uh, I don't know. I, I said last year. It wasn't last year. What it actually was was last year he was released. So his his minor league career ended uh, last year. He uh, made it to double A. He's currently playing uh, in indie ball and uh, has a good line. Had a good line last year, mm. but not that interesting. 308, 399, 517 in the Frontier League. 24 steals in 26 attempts. So I'm trying to figure out whether this is an astounding coincidence that he would have a great nephew who was also one of the 2,000 or so greatest baseball players in history, or alive, I should say, uh-huh. or whether given normal rates of procreation, whether one should expect uh, to have a drafted baseball player in your family th- within three generations. <laughs> well, you did that article once on former major leaguers yeah, and how right, <laughs> so Eddie not, Goodell, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I don't think this group. could be. I don't think that Eddie Goodell's uh, name carries much uh, much weight in draft rooms, though. <laughs> no, maybe not. Uh, I, how was? I don't even know how Eddie Goodell was picked, but was he? Did his athleticism play a role? in why he was picked as opposed to someone else? I don't think so. I I literally just read about this three days ago, and I've already (laughs) forgotten most of it. But uh, he was was an actor, and I I believe that he was picked because uh, he was... Like, he probably had... He probably had something like an agent or something. Mm-hmm. He was the... Let's see. He was the promotional mascot for Mercury Records. So mm. he was a famous little person, Okay, I guess, at the time. And um, so the... Anyway, yeah. All right. Uh, you're not going to answer whether this is an astounding coincidence or simple math? <laughs> I think probably... It's a, I would say it's probably unlikely, but it can't be dramatically unlikely. Well, so let's say that let's say that he had three or four siblings and married a woman who also had three or four siblings. Mm-hmm. Then that would mean that you have you know seven-ish lines of uh, descendants to, uh, to 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 produce a a draftable player. Yeah, uh, and uh, great. Nephew, so that would mean two, two generations probably two, maybe uh, yeah, fifty-five. Yeah, so two generations later. Uh, so if everybody was having, say, three kids, then you'd be at what? You'd be at uh, not that many. You'd you'd only be at like sixty-three children in the third generation. So you only have like a hundred people to choose from. Doesn't seem yeah. doable. 
<laughs> well, yeah. I what are the odds, though? If out of the uh, yeah, so <laughs> what percentage of people are drafted? Let's say what like percent? one in a thousand American males get drafted. Maybe now sixth mm-hmm. round is pretty high. Mm-hmm. So there are two million, roughly two million American males are born every year, and you know twelve hundred are drafted. If you remove the duplicates, then you have what is that? One in 2,000? 2,000 times 1,000 is 2 million. So you have a 1 in 2,000 chance of being drafted if you're born in this country. So so clearly they, he doesn't have 2,000 descendants, but 50 is you know, kind of a lot. It's maybe not enough to call it a, an astounding coincidence, I guess. Yeah, well, I guess so. It's definitely unlikely. I mean, it's you wouldn't bet on it, but it's probably not uh, a crazy coincidence. Okay, all right. Okay. Anything else? Uh, anything other than that? <laughs> I know it's hard to follow that no. bit of banter. No. But, uh, okay. All right. So award voting, we talk about trout when we have no reason to talk about trout. So now we might as well talk about him because we have an actual reason. He won the MVP award much to, I think, most people's surprise, probably not everyone's surprise. But I don't know. What, what probability would you have given him winning, do you think? Slim, one in one in a quarter, maybe, maybe even less. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I honestly, I'm not sure. This kind of is like the second to last paragraph of of what I wrote, so maybe I'm jumping too far ahead. But I'm. Not, I don't think if you pick a random group of thirty BBWA members and redo yeah. the vote, he like he likely wins. I think that yeah, he kind of just got lucky by who got pulled out of the hat. My, is my yeah, guess. I, I kind of agree. I I mean, I looked at the list of voters and it wasn't like, you know, half of them were from fan graphs and baseball prospectus or anything like they were mostly veteran writers. But of course, many veteran writers supported him before. So, yeah, I mean, if it's a, an organization of several hundred people and you're pulling out a, a small single digit percentage of those people to make the award choice on behalf of the group, essentially, which is kind of weird, by the way. (laughs) Like, I never really realized until now just how potentially unrepresentative of the whole body it is. Like, why why not have everyone vote like Hall Hall of Fame once you get to a certain point? Why not have everyone vote? Then everyone could write an MVP vote column. <laughs> you could have 600 of them. Why not have everyone vote? That's a great question, Ben. Yeah, Why not have everyone vote? In hmm. the MVP award, that's, uh, that's like one of the biggest public-facing things the BBWA does. Why put it in the hands of... Uh, you know, I get. I would guess that the reason is that when it started it was a very small group um like when it was the chalmers award and then when when the league gave it out and when you know first there was only an al mvp and then there was an nl mvp and then it went away for i think two years then it came back and throughout that time it was always a very small voter pool not because there was a sample of a larger group but just because there were it was a small voter pool there were i think it was always two per city and Mm. for most of that time it was you know the same pool of of voters who were representing each city and so you i would guess that they did then vote for all the categories but it was still only like 16 votes and so my guess is that rather than have the rather than carry forward the tradition of everybody votes for everything they decided to carry forward the tradition of there's only two per city Uh uh-huh it's a strange thing though because you know like the the entire bbwaa has to 
where whatever decision those 30 people make essentially so if those 30 people make a unpopular decision then the whole organization gets tarnished by that and and now 30 people make what a lot of people think is a smart decision and now the entire group looks better and smarter because of that but it's it's pretty strange it, i mean i've it really I've always yeah i mean it, i've always been aware obviously of the fact that not everyone votes but until today i never really thought of how weird that is why why would you put this very famous thing that your organization does i mean it's you know it's on tv now it's a whole thing the finalists and the and the final vote and the airing it on certain times and setting up conference calls i mean it's a whole production why why leave that in the hands of 30 randomly selected members it really does put a lot of pressure on individual voters too yeah you can Mm -hmm. you can absolutely i mean not not every year not every award but there have been awards that have been lost because one person had a contrary but still reasonable position or sometimes a contrary and unreasonable position or Um, this year with the Cy Young voting and two guys getting singled out for their ballots yeah exactly and I I don't think that there's anything scandalous about not having Justin Verlander on your on your top five I mean we talked about how there's there's so little like you could stare at this uh, AL pitchers for forever and not come to any real conclusions about who was best and you know if you look at the people who were on their ballots instead of Verlander that seems totally reasonable and if I don't think that there was anything unusual about those ballots at all and yet the pressure on those ballots now is like astounding (laughs) you know like people are I I bet you anything that they got death threats on Twitter because (laughs) well who doesn't (laughs) right exactly and but I mean like that still sucks. Like, that's a lousy feeling. It really sucks being insulted by strangers on the internet. And uh, if there were 500 voters, probably they wouldn't have gotten the same level of insult. And uh, yeah. that's sort of lousy for them. Yeah. Anyway, so it's uh, it's kind of weird. <laughs> but, but yeah, for that reason and also for other reasons, I don't know that this is any sort of watershed moment in how the BBWA votes. I think, A, it was fairly close. Uh, you know, Trout won pretty handily in first place votes, but the total wasn't wasn't dramatically different. And also, uh, you know, I don't know whether there was any vote splitting going on because Ortiz finished sixth. And so he bets had a teammate who was also a, a high ranking finisher and and I don't know, maybe it was just the fact that it was bets and he hasn't been around that long. Maybe some people were slow to appreciate him or or maybe slow to appreciate him just because he has one of those skill sets that makes players underappreciated sometimes. And, and that kind of hurt Trout against Cabrera, perhaps. So I think, yeah, for all those reasons, I don't think you can really say that this is new that in one year, especially because... One day earlier, we were talking about how the BBWA was never going to give up pitcher wins, and yeah. Rick Porcello was winning the award because he was 22-4, and four, and then the next day, we're talking about <laughs> voters are so enlightened now. So, And I I, that was what I led with in my piece, which I don't know if you read it, but in 2010, we we acted like the Felix Hernandez victory was like this mandate, that it was oh, some right, like yeah. representation of the BBWA doing something, but it wasn't. It was a sample of 30 that happened to get 
the 30 people who collectively picked Felix Hernandez. And every Cy Young winner since then has been, in the AL at least, has been the guy with the most wins. So we probably, yeah, don't take into consideration enough that this is, it's very easy to just have a sort of sampling error that mm-hmm. leads the result, which is fine. <laughs> That's I think it's good. I'm I I am fairly uh, I, Trout winning almost made me more nihilistic about the whole thing. Me too. Yeah, that's kind of what I wrote. Like, it, really? I, yeah. Like I got a readers now. Trout kind of. I think it's still in editing. I don't know, but uh, Trout winds um, up. So I, you, no. you uh, plagiarize uh, me. <laughs> well, basically, my takeaway was that Trout won an award that he had already devalued himself like yes like over the past couple of years we all sort of just swore off the mvp award because trout didn't win and that was the clearest evidence that this was not really something we needed to care about all that much i mean when we all got up in arms about it when he was going up against cabrera and then when the voters made the decision they did a lot of us thought well okay then <laughs> this is not an award that reflects the way I value baseball players. It's, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether they're looking at different stats or whether they are defining value differently or whatever it is. It doesn't change how good Mike Trout is. Mike Trout was the best player in baseball. I don't care if 30 BBWA voters agreed with that or not. And so it's hard to go from that to then <laughs> celebrating trout winning that same award because yes. we had we had already like divorced trout's value from the the MVP award. So so I have been um looking for the right avenue or uh, the right uh space to share this observation in I guess it'll be here. Uh, <laughs> the you know Donald Donald Trump spent the the months leading up to the election talking about how the election is rigged and how mm-hmm. the results are not not going to be valid and how the bankers control everything. And yet the day after, how come Trump supporters weren't like, huh, I wonder why the Rothschilds picked Trump. That's odd. I guess I, guess I don't like Trump. Right. Uh, it's either, you know, it's either invalid or it's valid. Um, yeah. And I also, so I didn't, I didn't read, I, I have to say, I did not read this piece. I, I saw the headline. I mean to circle back to it. Came out earlier in the day when we thought that, that uh, Trump, that, that Trout was going to lose. <laughs> I wrote Trump like five times in my piece. (laughs) I had to do a control F at the end to make sure I hadn't left any Trumps instead of Trouts. Uh, And but it was uh, Dave. uh, I think it was Dave Cameron talking about how um, the the integrity of the award, the credibility of the award, it was. I assume from the headline, how the credibility of the award was at stake. And I almost feel like it's it's in a sense it's the opposite that the I I almost wish that the voting would lean into this not really the best player interpretation of MVP because it has become like we don't know what the award is anymore and it has become the closest that well it has always probably been the closest thing we have to a best player award and I think that over the years I mean I went back you asked why I was looking at 1920s newspapers is because I wanted to go back and read what columnists wrote about their MVP votes in the 1920s and Uh it's always been something that They've uh, they've acknowledged the ambiguity of they've struggled with that ambiguity of it. They recognize that this is not a simple award that is just supposed to be who led the league in in war uh, or in anything else. And in fact, as I as I wrote it, the MVP awards uh, origin is explicitly a, a rejection of of 
the le- of the batting title. It it came out of the the 1910 batting chase where you know at the time the winner got a, a car. I think that Chalmers yeah. gave him a car, and so then there was this farce in the last day where the players let um, Nap Lajoie win over Ty Cobb, and and so they uh, they created an MVP award instead of having it just be who won this stat. And so even back in the 1920s, there was, like I said, there was a, a lot of kind of internal discussion about what it means to be the most valuable player award. And is it more than who had the best slash line? Is it even more than who was the best player? Or or is it just the best player? Nobody knew. Nobody ever knew. And it has gradually become 90%, probably even closer than 90%, who was the best player. That is, I mean, I interpret it 100% as who is the best player. I think most of us who root for Trout view it as 100%. It, there doesn't seem to be any particular value added to an individual person saying, well, I define value differently than you. And yet there's enough of that that it doesn't actually line up to the best player very well. For a half-written piece that was going to be about how Trout didn't win, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there I looked at every year's voting to see who finished higher, the war leader or the RBI leader. And uh-huh. the RBI leader finishes higher than the war leader. And that's really even basically, the, even since war became real and people could consult with war, it's still basically split 50-50. And if you take out the Coors effect where Coors hitters who are bad and everybody knows that they're not that good uh, have a have a better chance of winning the RBI title and not being taken all that seriously. If you take away that, then war is, is still a secondary a data point for voters to RBIs. And so where was I going with that? Where I was going with that is that even though this is mostly a who is the best player award, it doesn't line up that well with who is the best player. The voting itself doesn't seem that intentional about having it line up with who is the best player award. And when we assess it, when the votes come out and we go, well, that's not the best player, it seems absurd and scandalous and something that should really anger us. If there, he didn't even try to make it about the best player, if it were like 70% best player and 30% other stuff, I almost feel like the award would have more credibility because it wouldn't be failing at what it is nominally trying to do, uh-huh. uh, which I don't know that that would be any more satisfying. And I'm not sure that there's a way that we're going to be happy with awards voting ever in anything. Like what's name anywhere that everybody's like, the vote worked perfect all the time great yeah. crash loved that movie perfect <laughs> so the it the, i mean i don't i don't think that saying well this other flawed system that i could hypothesize might work would be one percent better than the flawed system we currently have i don't really know how to argue for or against that position but as just as far as credibility i don't I, I'm sort of hoping that Trout would just keep losing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I Well, I think I found that the average MVP winner's team coming into this year, or from 1931 through 2015, the average winning percentage of the team of an MVP winner was 593 yeah which is you know like a 96 win pace right and so so, so the player himself at is going to average eight or nine right. wins of that yeah i mean you'd expect the team with an mvp to be better than average i guess just knowing that they had an mvp but not by that much <laughs> not by not by nearly that much did we so have, obviously did there's we some the bias ex- there. did we have the exact same day yesterday what did you have for lunch <laughs> some wraps 
Ooh. <laughs> what did I have for lunch? Because I was going to do the winning percentage thing too, and I, <laughs> I ran out of time. Yeah, I, well, I ran out of time, but I asked Dan Hirsch to do it for me, and uh-huh. he did. <laughs> I kind of wonder whether, I think we talked about this on an episode at some point, maybe, or I think we might have talked about it with Jay Jaffe in relation to the Hall of Fame, but the fact that stats have gotten so much better, I really do think makes the MVP award more extraneous. I mean, now we are arguing over a win or two here and there. Well, it makes, is, it makes who was the best player award yes, more extraneous. Right. It, doesn't, it doesn't make the who's... See, look, the I think if you re-envision this award, not that I'm saying that this is what it's anywhere close to or what it should be or anything like that, but if you re-envision this as what season do you want history to remember, then... I think that it would be just as much fun to look at, to debate, to see the to see the results of, and really ultimately to remember 75 years later, uh, but without necessarily having the false precision that we're expecting out of this award right now. Yeah, I I just it's it's weird because we we kind of like yada yada the awards that there's no objective standard for, like manager of the year or something. Like I. You and I used to abstain from voting on that when we did it at BP because we figured we just didn't know and how could we tell even. But the MVP is kind of the opposite of that, at least if you think of it as best player. Who cares what 30 people think? We can look at a leaderboard and it's not perfect and you can go either way if two guys are, are very close. But on the whole, it's just a lot easier to settle arguments statistically now than it once was if if Trout and Cabrera had had the same seasons they had in 2012 in 1962 or something you could have had that debate forever and someone could have said this guy was a better hitter and the other person could have said this guy was a better base runner and fielder and there would have been no values that you could have attached to those things based on, you know, empirical formulas and observations that would sort of settle that question. So it was an open question. It was a matter of opinion as far as anyone was concerned because there was no fact really. And now we're not at fact, but we're a lot closer to fact. And as stats get better and StatCast starts to replace cruder methods, then we get even closer and closer and closer to that. And so maybe it would be wise for... The BBWAA, if if they wanted their vote to stay relevant, to not have it be best player in baseball, because that's a question we don't need their help to answer. So it would be more interesting if their vote was, uh, you know, like most pleasant person in the clubhouse or something, like something that only they know or that they know better than your average person who can look at a leaderboard. So I just, I don't know what role this voting plays anymore. I think... Trout and the reception to Trout early in his career just kind of killed it for me if it wasn't dead already. And so I have a hard time getting excited about Trout winning. And if he had lost, I would not have been upset about that either. Hey, do you, you just said that the credibility, if they want to have their award have credibility, do you actually think that the BBW credibility, but you know, intrigue or yeah. Okay. Whatever, whatever, whatever word that would indicate that it is doing what they Mm -hmm. want it to or getting attention or whatever. Do you think that it is really any less relevant? Relevant. I think you said relevant. Do you think that it's any less relevant than it ever has been? I mean, we're like talking about it. (laughs) We we are literally talking about it. We all wrote about it. 
We all, I mean, it's on TV now. They put it on the television. Like I <laughs> yeah. remember I, my wife one time uh, when I had like 800 followers, I was like, dude, I just got my 800th follower. And she goes, you're not famous until you're on TV. And this <laughs> is on TV <laughs> now. Uh-huh. Yeah. So do you think that this is actually an issue for them, for anybody? Does anybody yeah, think that this probably, isn't succeeding? Probably not. The no. players like it. The players seem to like it. They show up for the... The thing. Can I ask you a question though? Mm-hmm. The Sporting News Player of the Year, mm, which yeah. came out a month ago, has you know traditionally tracked pretty well to MVP voting, uh, even though it's theoretically a different award, but also it has different voters, different rules. But it tracks pretty well to MVP voting. This year it didn't. Uh, Jose Altuve won the thing, and he didn't get a single first place vote. Um, but from AL voters, and Trout finished sixth behind Daniel Murphy. Uh, yeah. Not that I don't know why I said behind Daniel Murphy. Like Daniel Murphy wasn't phenomenal, but behind 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 David Ortiz, for goodness' <laughs> sake, behind five players, behind yeah. five players, yeah. So why do you what do you think that's about? Why do you think that mm. there was such a large discrepancy between how people? I don't think that the name of the award matters. I don't think it can be explained as, oh, well, the name of the award. Because for one thing, Altuve's team was a lot in a pennant race, and that usually is, is close enough for voters. So I don't think it's the value thing. I think that 300 Major League Baseball players actually thought Jose Altuve was the best player in baseball this year. Huh. Well, I mean, in other votes, <laughs> baseball players voting about baseball players has not been, I don't think, the most accurate measure of value i i have i don't know anything about the history of this award or or how accurately it has tracked with other things yeah, so it's, if it's you're, hard if you're find, saying it usually it, does then. it's very hard to find votes going back more than three or four years i tried i looked and it was close they it does you would not if you switched them you wouldn't even really notice hmm. i don't know what to make of that because i would think that baseball players would appreciate mike trout so i would have said it had to do with is being on a losing team, but if that hasn't historically been the case with with that vote, I don't I don't know. I mean, well, it, it is. I think it. I think it has historically been a bit of the case, just like it is uh-huh. with MVP voting. But uh-huh. the MVP voting, if anything, you would think would favor the winning the guy on the winning team more, and so therefore, like if it had gone the opposite, if Trout had won Player of the Year and Altuve had won MVP, that would have maybe made sense. Yeah, based on the name, you know, based on the the names of the awards. Yeah, I think the name of the award would make a difference for the writer's vote. I think it would, but I don't know if it would for a player voting. I can never tell what players are going to do. Generally, they're going to do, it seems like, what the writers would have done 30 years ago. Do you believe, so there are 700-ish members of the BBWAA and 30 of them voted on this award. Do you think that if we ran a million simulations where the voters were chosen at random, for who would vote of those million simulations is there a uh, greater than one percent of those where altuve wins the the mvp award where, where did he he finished third he finished third but and he you know got a ton of votes but no first place votes no first place mm. votes which is what yeah makes I it guess, hard yeah probably not then i don't know i guess we could uh figure out the margin of error here right With, how uh, how by the way how mad are you that after all of your work Zach Britton got one eighth, three ninth, and and two tenths. Like, that's got to just infuriate you. I didn't even notice. How did I? Don't even know how he did in the Cy Young voting. Where, he where did he, he finish? Didn't, he didn't finish. He didn't finish in the top three. 
mm-hmm. he, but I think that your point was actually, I think that you made a better case for him as MVP than as Cy Young. So Cy Young, he finished fourth. He finished fourth with five first place votes. So uh, he did pretty well. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but of course, that wasn't that wasn't what you were going for. So, yeah, do we still do down? Do we still like to to look at down ballot stuff, or are we done with with that as a as a body? Yeah. Well, I saw some citations of you know whatever Adrian Beltre got a first place vote or whatever the weird ones were, but I didn't look to see if there were any complete outlier players who got mentioned. I'd still be somewhat interested in that was there any completely out of left field well, choice i don't know like uh juris familia was only named on two ballots but on both of them he was named uh eighth place which is like those are weird little flukes on cy young no on or mvp on really mvp wow. yeah cy young only goes five five deep like it's always weird to me when like addison russell one one ballot finished sixth uh uh-huh. madison bumgarner two ballots uh, fifth and tenth, but otherwise, I don't know. Not really. Mm-hmm. No, not really. Brandon Crawford. I don't. Know. <laughs> I actually, I don't have anything to say about Brandon Crawford. I think Brandon Crawford is a very legitimate person to put on your ballot. And I am. Uh, I was just shorthanding because my dad is listening, and we uh, we were <laughs> so shocked that he didn't make the All Star game. And I said he was going to be on on MVP ballot ballots. Ah, uh-huh. and uh, so that's why I just said his name. <laughs> Hi, Dad. <laughs> All right, so uh, don't connect Mike Trout's worth to this vote either way. Mike Trout is awesome. He is still the best player through his age ever. He has still had one of the best five-year stretches ever. He is still getting better in certain ways and evolving in certain ways. Like I thought a couple of years ago that I was worried that we were going to see this this slower, more strikeout prone and more powerful version of trout that we saw in the year he actually won the mvp award for the first time which was the worst version of trout and i thought maybe he would just get more extreme in that direction and he'd still be really good but it would be hard for him to be quite as amazing as he was when he was good at everything and this year he was uh, basically back to being good at everything again he was good at running he stole 30 bases he had his lowest strikeout rate ever relative to the league he was more selective than ever before walked more than ever before just i mean great all around so he's he's the best i don't think we ever failed to appreciate mike trout on this podcast so my yeah i don't think we failed to and i don't think that we were in danger of it which is another thing that i got into uh, in my piece, I think that these uh, seem. So I was reading a piece that Jerome Holtzman wrote in 1987, and you'll know where it's coming from. The headline was, I think, most uh, most valuable, not always best. Okay, mm. or or maybe it was the opposite. It might have been best, not always most valuable. Uh-huh. And in it, he's like, he's like, uh, I mean, if you were going with the best player, then sure, you'd vote for Tim Raines. But, and then he makes the case for someone who's not Tim Raines. And 30 years later, you're like, that's literally why Tim Raines is not in the Hall of Fame. Like, if he had won that MVP award, I bet you he's a Hall of Famer. But, you know, for Tim Raines, he always sort of had to struggle to uh, get recognized as the best player uh, 
uh, like, you know, he like if this has been documented, but he was compared. He wasn't the best. He's the second best leadoff hitter of all time, but he was compared to the best leadoff hitter of all time. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's one of the great. He, he might be the second or third best base stealer of all time, but he was playing alongside the best base stealer of all time. And in the same sort of way, he finished. He had two years where I would say he was indisputably the best player in the National League. Maybe not indisputably, but the best player in the National League for those two years. And he finished sixth and seventh in MVP voting. And I think that that matters when you're trying to remember a guy's career 30 years down the road. You can go look at his stats, but you're like, what? How did how did Olympic Stadium play? I don't really remember. What was the offensive environment like in 1983? I don't really remember. And so you you do a quick pass of his page and you see the black ink and you see the awards voting. And for a guy like Tim Raines, it matters. And for a guy like Alan Trammell, I think same thing. If he wins the MVP award in 1987 when he should have won it, I think a lot of people think he's a Hall of Famer right now. He didn't, he's not. With Trout, it does not, it is not going to affect his his legacy at all and mm. uh so in that sense i was uh ready to be very well i was ready to feed into your anger <laughs> if he lost <laughs> uh but the fact that he wins i think is uh it's a it's a nice thing to notice uh we nod at it we wait and see next year what the voting looks like before we draw any real conclusions uh, it's a good outcome that yeah i think like you say it doesn't mm. really change mike trout too much yeah he's too good to be a, a borderline candidate who's case will be swayed one way or another or legacy will be swayed one way or another by one award vote or or even three award votes so yeah all right so that is it for today you can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash effectively wild five listeners who have done so already matt richards katia perlman miguel anthony and Jacob Balderrama, thanks to all of you. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Effectively Wild, and you can rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription to the Play Index at baseballreference.com using the coupon code BP. You can buy our book, The Only Rule Is It Has to Work, our wild experiment building a new kind of baseball team. Check out the website at theonlyruleisithastowork.com. Michael Bauman and I have a new episode of The Ringer MLB Show up. Talked a little bit about award voting, also talked about the Astros, and we interviewed Brian Dozier about his fascinating season. Reviews for that podcast on iTunes are also very much appreciated. You can contact me and Sam at podcast.baseballperspectus.com or by messaging us through Patreon. Have a wonderful weekend. We will be back next week. Now listen to my sweetheart and listen to my thirst. Don't spend time listening to Sometimes I write, most times the reverse. They say the best is for the best, when the best for the best.